Today on the Ryan Rosillo Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network and Spotify, we have Ryan Shazier previewing the playoffs, little QB trust game, and Shio Kapati of The Athletic, and as always, life advice. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's show is going to get you ready for wildcard weekend. We'll get through this and make all of our picks. And the cool part with Shazier is looking back at his six playoff games, every one of those was a rematch of the regular season. So we have some rematches as well. So I want to ask him how that goes down with game prep. We'll get a little story time for him. And then we're going to go through all 14 quarterbacks and put them in trust tiers for the playoffs. Shield Kabadi is terrific. And he broke down all the offensive and defensive tendencies, who's good at what, who's bad at what. So we're going to run through all that, get you ready for wildcard weekend, and finish with life advice. Ryan Shazier joins us now, part of our Ringer Network. Also, the Ringer NFL show comes out on Tuesdays with Cole Wright. So we're lucky to have him and happy to have him join me here again on this pod. So I want to do this quarterback trust thing on the back end, but I want to talk about your career. I love the story stuff and that kind of deal. You had six playoff games with the Steelers, so we're going to get your picks on some of that stuff too. But I went through it, and every one of your playoff games was a rematch from the regular season. So anyone you played in the playoffs, you had already played that season. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So we definitely have that with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, same division, and then, of course, the Week 17 game. Do you remember specifically, like, game planning for one of those rematches where you're, you're saying, okay, like, this is what we did. It did or it didn't work. or We have to throw them some kind of adjustments. We can't be the same. What is that week like knowing it's game prep for a playoff game against a familiar opponent? So the thing is, like, every opponent is a little different. Like, so when you're playing, like, Alex Smith, you kind of know what kind of quarterback he is. He's been taking a little bit more shots lately. But before, he's always been, like, a game manager type of guy. So you knew that Alex Smith, he's good enough to beat you, but he's not the guy that you're technically scared of to beat you. So when we played Kansas City, it wasn't like we're scared of Alex Smith to beat us. It's just like you know he's not going to turn the ball over. So you just have to play good defense, you know. So with Alex Smith, it was just like, yeah, I play good defense. When if Alex Smith does turn the ball over, then you have a really good shot of winning that game. So every time we play Kansas City in the playoffs or um in the regular season, that's kind of that mindset we have with Alex Smith. With Tom Brady, it's a totally different animal because majority of the time when you're playing Tom in the playoffs, is is at, you know, is it's in New England. So I think it's gonna be a little different for for Tom this year because he's he's not at home, you know. So it was at it's in New England, and I have a good uh, I have a few stories, but this one is one of my main stories. When we played New England, uh, we played Tom Brady in the AFC Championship. Okay, so that's the sixteen season, seventeen playoffs. Go ahead. Yeah, sixteen season, seventeen playoffs. Yeah, because I got I ended up being hurt the next year. So, um, and the thing that's so crazy about New England is like every time you go to New England, it's like you're always in a different hotel. 
And like normally when you go to places, you're like always in the same hotel, you're in the same environment. Do they do when, that to you, or did your I, travel? I, I think guy? the team. I think the travel guys that do, does it. Like okay, when we played them this year, we stayed in Boston. And the other three times we played them, we stayed in like in, in Providence, or we stayed in somewhere else. Like we were not even in in Massachusetts, you know, because yeah. it's so small in that area. So you can stay wherever. This year we stayed in Boston. The whole the whole vibe of the AFC Championship wasn't good. Like, we really felt like we were going to go win that game. But just the whole vibe, like, if you look back at it, it wasn't good. So the first the first thing we do when we always get in the city, like the defense and a bunch of guys, sometimes the offensive guys, we're all just like, hey, well, we're going to eat, and, you know, we'll go there for a while. So we go to Del Frisco's. Del Frisco's is known for great service. You know, it's like one of the best steakhouses in the country. You know, it's, it's you know, like one of the best steakhouse chains. Yeah, in the absolutely. Right. You know, so we get to Del Frisco's in Boston. I promise you, we normally be there like, we're going to be here like two hours. You know, it's not going to take that like two hours is enough to give 20 people food. And like, but sometimes some people will be pushing it, you know, at the end, but you, everybody still gets their food. We're, we're, we're at the table. We're seeing big groups come in and out, in and out, in and out. We're at the table for like two hours, no food. So it's like, we're like, man, like, honestly, we, we understand we're about to play this team, but like, y'all can feed us. So, first of all, we, we have meetings at eight. We get there at, we have meetings at seven, eight. So we get there around like 530. It's like, we get there like some of the earliest people when the steakhouse open. We get there early. It's, they, it's like they didn't want to feed us. We're there like two and a half, three hours. No food ever comes out. We order our food a long time ago. Food never comes out. Some guys have to leave early. Then when we do get, then we're like, man, we got to go. And they're like, oh, our, your food's ready. Everything's in a to-go bag. We're like, okay. So then we get there. And then now, instead of eating our food hot at Del Frisco's, we got to eat it in a hotel in a to-go container. <laughs> I, anybody listening to this podcast, you know when you order steak, the first thing you want to do is eat it hot. Yeah. Especially if you're about to pay $50 for a steak. $50 plus for a steak. Del Frisco steaks aren't cheap. So... Oh, um, we went there and then, so we had to eat it from, we had to eat it in the to-go container. So obviously it's not hot anymore. It's, it's, it's warm. So now we have a meetings. Boom. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. The alarm goes off in the hotel. So the thing is, I am an extremely hard sleeper. I would have died. I didn't wake <laughs> up. But everybody else in the team and my parents, my parents and my wife and everybody came to the game because I was like, man, like we win this game, we're going to the Super Bowl, you know. So it's just like, like it's it's New England is not too far, and it's like, man, like this is a big moment, you know. So so my family came to the game. They're like, we want to be there if y'all win. So I was like, all right, cool. So they come to the game. Everybody's downstairs. I think we stayed in the Marriott. We was in a really big hotel. Somebody pulled a fire alarm. The whole team's in, in the hallways at two, three in the morning. M- me, I was asleep, but. Everybody else was in the house. So I wake up in the morning. Everybody's like, man, man, I was up all night, man. I feel like crap, da 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 and this and that. So then now we get to the game. And, you know, it's all this bad juju before the game. Now we get to the game, and I'm the guy that has the the, the earpiece, the, the green the green dot. Yeah, right. So, You're the guy communicating with the side. So, Coach... The first, the first quarter, like the first almost half of the game, coach is like, "Hey Ryan, we're paying this in." Like we're like, "Hey, cover three, cover three, cover three. I'm like, "Like I'm, I'm going like whenever you hear somebody going like this or like, like you can't. That means you can't hear." So all I'm like, I'm like, 
the whole the whole first quarter, I'm either hearing the Patriots radio broadcast and it's saying, uh, the Patriots are on the 39 yard line in the second and two. It was like, you know, or or we're not hearing nothing at all. I'm not hearing my coaches, but I know Tom Brady and his team are getting their plays in. So pretty much the first half of the game, we're pretty I'm pretty much just out there free balling, or the coaches are calling signals. Now they have to call signals because you can't hear the headset. And they were trying everything they can to fix it, and the second half it got fixed. But the thing that really got me for this game is Le'Veon, this game was balling. Like, Le'Veon started off really hot. Like, the first two series of the game, like, they could not stop him. We went down and scored twice. The third, I think the third series of the game, Le'Veon got hurt. And obviously, this is really early in the game, but they really couldn't stop him. And I really feel the fact that Le'Veon got hurt really kind of derailed the team because then we couldn't run the ball anymore. And then if the Patriots know you're one, you're one-sided, or like you, you don't have much to do. They can pretty much like pitch you in a chokehold and beat you out. So, so, so when you're going up against somebody like Brady, and you know you lost in the regular season against them, and it was pretty one sided. And at that point, you were kind of a 500 team, so you're probably trying to figure out who you are. But then, like you said, you feel better about yourself. You've won your first two playoff games. Yeah, you're going to New England, but it's not like a place you haven't been before. What does he do? Help us that will never understand. Try to understand. What is it that he's doing? Because I remember in some of those games, like Steelers fans would be really upset because it felt like Tomlin never changed. Like Brady would pick you off on he he would go ahead, go ahead. So the one thing that Tom Brady and the one thing that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick does really well is Coach Tomlin does make a lot of changes. And sometimes his defense, it it always looks the same, but it's is completely different. Yeah, because to us it does look the same. You're right. It it does look the same. That's the one thing that he does a really good coach Tomlin, like from a naked eye, you look at him like, man, it looks like he's making any changes. Like he's making a lot of changes out there. And every quarter is almost every quarter, every half, it's a different, a different play call, something else going on. It's, it's different. The thing is with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, it's like they're prepared for what you're going to adjust to. So like they they do a really good job when those two are together, like with, with Bruce Arians and, and, and Brady has kind of been a little bit, you know, up and yeah, down. Yeah, it's just off. Yeah, but with him and with him and Belichick. They do a really good job of adjusting to your adjustments. So when it's time for them to, you know, oh, you're like, hey, man, they're killing our cover three. Let's go into this different type of cover three. It's like the moment you go into that different type of cover three, they have to play ready for that. It's like the play is already built to beat both of those coverages. Then you're like, I'm going to go to cover two. The play is already built to beat that too. So it's just like, it's almost like they already know what you're doing because I guess they watch so much film, they kind of know the adjustments that you will make based off of your, you know, based off of the person you are or how you've been coached before. But they do a really good job of adjusting to your adjustments. That's why they they continue, they usually continue to beat up on people because when you make an adjustment, they already prepare for that adjustment. Right. And at, at this point, I'm now going to get to this wild card round because I guarantee all these Patriots people think that I'm like, you're still talking about this team. It's a 20 year run. Now they're not in anymore. So, so I, that was good though. The Del Frisco's. I'll have to talk to people next time I'm back home on your behalf. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, Boston, Boston just hates the Steelers, I guess. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but they just, I, I'm still waiting on my stick, man. Let's see if we can't figure that out. Okay. So let's, what did you see from Pittsburgh week 17 against Cleveland? And what does that mean for the playoff round? It actually made me feel really good. And the reason it made me feel good is because it actually showed that Mason can actually probably be a, a nice backup or he mm-hmm. can step in for a few years. 
he he came out, had a, a, a decent game. We weren't expecting Mason to be Mahomes or nothing, but right. we expected we wanted Mason to control the game, you know, hit out some big throws, keep us in the game. And obviously everybody on the Steelers is expected to win. The guys want to win, you know, but everybody outside looking in, we're like, oh, we're giving it, we're giving the Browns a shot to the playoff. You know, but the thing is, the Browns, they gave their best shot. And the Steelers still almost beat them with Mason and, you know, Pouncey not playing, TJ not playing, Cam not playing. So it made me feel really good, but it also made me feel good because Cam, TJ, Ben, all those guys actually got to get some rest. And I know people say that, you know, the Steelers got the rest when they kept pushing those games back. But it's difference between when you have a bye week and you know you're getting it and your bye week has changed. When you mentally prepare for a bye week and you're like, hey, I know I'm not playing, or you know you're not about to play the game, your body is mentally like, all right, I'm about to, I'm about to restore myself. But if you're like prepared for a game, but then they're like, oh, this game is canceled, people might say, hey, you didn't play, but you practiced really hard that whole week. Your mind is still, you still mentally drained. Your body is tired. And you got to have your whole mind and body prepared to play for these games. And when one of them is getting pulled on another, it, it, it can kind of make you really tired. So it kind of made me feel good to see that Ben and those guys got their rest because I really think it's going to help Cam, TJ, Ben, Pouncey when, when we play against them in the playoffs. So it, it really made me feel good. But it, it showed me that the team had fight, and obviously they're going to always have fight with Coach Tomlin. But it, it showed me that Mason is, is, is really growing as a quarterback and somebody that, guys can really kind of look up to to kind of hold hold the franchise up for a while. All right, let's stay in the AFC because uh, we know how good this Bills team has looked offensively here throughout. We know the Colts have been steady. Clearly more people are on the Bills side, especially because of the momentum thing. How do you see it? I think the Bills are going to win. And the reason I feel like the Bills are going to win is because, like you said, Josh Allen is playing really good football. And to me, Nobody quote me, but Stefan Diggs is the best receiver in the NFL right now this season. You know, I'm not saying he's the best in a receiver in the NFL, like just receiver wise. Like if you pick a receiver, who you would choose? But this season, Stefan Diggs is probably having the best receiving year of, out of anybody. When it comes to catching the ball and stuff like that, I'm picking DeAndre Hopkins, you know, but. Right. Um, but it, no, I get what come, you're saying. You're saying like if you were just draft all the receivers or for any game, but you think you think this season played better than everybody. Yeah. Even even Adams, even Adams. Even yeah. Adams. So Adam Adams played a played great. But sometimes. When it comes to like the quarter, like when it comes to guys that are with like. You know, guys that work with State Farm, like <laughs> I, 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 you know. It's kind of hard for me to, to give them the benefit of the doubt. Adams is a, a dog at receiving, but sometimes it really does help when you have a guy from State Farm throwing you the ball. You know? Right. So, so you're not talking about just the insurance provider. You're talking about who's the sponsor, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Right. Yeah. Aaron right. Rodgers are at first. Are I was, like, yeah, like yeah. even Kelsey. Kelsey's, he was a baller with Alex Smith. But like Tyree Kill, everybody's like, oh, he's on a returner. But Ty- with Mahomes, he's not a returner because if you're faster than everybody and Mahomes can throw it farther than everybody, then. You're one of the best receivers in the league. You know what I'm saying? So 
But but he is a great player. He and I'm I'm not saying he's not. No, it's a good point because it's kind of like that old Josh Gordon thing where you're like, did you see the guys throwing Josh Gordon the ball in Cleveland those years when he was putting up these monster numbers? And you're yeah, like, like, and he didn't even have that. You know, the number two, I can't even remember Frisman Jackson. Right. That and, and, him. And, and that's how and that's how DeAndre Hopkins has been before he got these two good receivers. Right with Brock had, and yeah, yeah, like uh, he had uh, Brock, then he had Yates, then he had. Like four under other people that you probably can't even think of right now, and right. he's still getting a thousand yards. Consistent quarterback, like for DeAndre Hopkins, it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. Like Stephon Diggs, he had a, a Pro Bowl quarterback in, in in Kirk Cousins, but now he has an MVP caliber quarterback, and you see how it really steps up his game. And I, and I feel like Devontae Adams could be a good player with pretty much any of these quarterbacks, except probably Trubisky. You know. And in the playoffs right now, Trubisky, I feel Trubisky is the only quarterback that Devontae Adams wouldn't be as successful as he is now. But I think he was, he's even more successful because he has Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so let's let's do this. Let's leave out Green Bay and Kansas City because they're obvious choices because we're talking about statistically. I mean, first of all, it's Kansas City. I don't even care what the stats are, but they're really good too. (laughs) Um, Of the wild card quarterbacks, who's the guy that would give you a problem? If you're playing middle linebacker, if I'm playing middle linebacker, the guy that's giving me a problem would be. I, I'm at choose three guys. Is that cool? Yeah, you do whatever fair? you want. No, Ryan, you can't. I'm sorry, now of course, man, you do whatever you want. No, so there. the reason, so for instance, I feel if the Steelers beat Seahawks, I'm gonna I'm gonna just use that as a Steelers because I play for the Steelers. If I was on a team with the Steelers right now, if I was the Steelers linebacker, sure, the Steelers versus Seahawks, I feel like the Steelers, me at linebacker, I would do well, but Russell Wilson is the one problem because he can throw it, he can run it, and he's extremely smart. So another problem is the Saints for me is because, like I was saying, he's another smart quarterback, one of the greatest of all time. And then I would like to put Tom Brady, but I'm not going to use Tom Brady for this one. I'm going to use Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is extremely smart at quarterback, and he does a really he does a really good job of adjusting the, the plays on field. And then he... He puts his offices, his offices and plays extremely late. So when it comes to audible in the defense and trying to bend it right back into the right formation, Phillip Rivers doesn't give you time to do that sometimes. So like that would be somebody that would be extremely tough for me to go against because when you're playing quarterback and, and linebacker and you're both audible, it's a chess game. So if somebody, you know, moves their piece right before the ball is snapped, you can't just, it, it puts you in a hard predicament. Do you, have you ever played against a quarterback that was so obsessed with changing the play late that he was actually fucking his offense up? Phillip Rivers, probably. <laughs> Phillip Rivers is definitely one of those guys. You know, like like Lamar, he doesn't really change it late. They can, they, they're getting the ball pretty early. You know, like the younger quarterbacks, they don't really do it much. But if, if it is if another person that does it, and I'm going I'm to bash him, is Ben. Ben does it too. Ben, like, would change plays really late, and then you'll hit him with a – you know, or uh, you hit him with a timeout, or he, or like even when we was in practice, we'll be in practice and he'll be audible, and we're like, "Hey Ben, like the play, do you see the play clock is over? It's like you don't have any more time." Like, you do you know, think? So. Do you think guys like who've been around a while, like they would see Manning and everybody gets so excited on the primetime game that like some of those other guys, because like Ben's had an incredible career that they'll be like, "Hey, I want to start doing some of that stuff too," so everybody knows that I'm in charge. Yeah. No, but the thing is, Ben has been doing that for a while, you know. Oh, no, I'm not saying he was doing it later on. But, like, when the quarterback does – like, we we get really excited about a guy 
yelling a bunch of different things and then like yeah, hand 100%. signaling and all this yeah, fans, shit. And fans love it. Yeah, we're like, God, that guy's so on top of it. Look at all this stuff he's doing. But then on the other side, I've seen guys that I'm like, I don't know if this guy makes any pre-snap reads. So no, the thing I'll, is that's funny about it is that fans love it. And the thing is the guy could be bullshitting the whole time. Like, <laughs> right. And, it, and that's the funny thing about it. Like Philip Rivers would be like, check Omaha, da 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 and then you just like run the ball. You know, like or or like he's saying all that, just getting you to get in something that you know that he, he see you in a good defense and then he's checking, doesn't change anything up, but he gets you out of the defense that you want to be. How often would you figure it out, though? Would you figure out the call or, you know, because I mean, I, it's funny because when you're watching on TV, you're like, well, wait, he keeps saying Omaha was that night with Peyton Manning. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff where guys say the same thing over and over again. But what does that actually mean for you figuring it out? So like a, a, a call like Omaha, especially once people start saying like you see it on TV, that's almost like a dummy call. He's pretty much just saying, like, Omaha to just pr pretty much say, hey, we're checking. Like, Omaha is checked. Uh, alert to what I'm about to say. You know, so he can say Omaha and then be like, black, 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 on, on uh, black, 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 dive right, dive right, dive right. The fact that he said Omaha black, that means black is dummy. You know, so now I'm saying Omaha, now the defense is like, oh, he's about to change the play, but it can still be the same play. You know, but he could be like Omaha, 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 Ringo, Ringo, Cowboy left. You know, now he just made a play. You know, so it's like they a lot of times uh, teams have something in their defense that they will get. I mean, not in their defense, but in their, their whole offense or defense, they get everybody alert. So Omaha is an easy word that you can say that alerts the whole team extremely fast. Right. So it's it's a lot like baseball. So if you're sitting your third base coach and he's going through all the different signs, there's one that's always the indicator. And if it's yeah. the belt buckle, right? Or if it's two down the sleeve, you're like, yeah. oh, now I actually have to pay attention to all this bullshit. So it's the same thing. Yeah. So like for like for the Steelers, we made it easy. We'll just be like alert, alert. Because alert means like be alert of what I'm about to say. You know, because on defense <laughs> makes sense. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like on defense, but like offenses, they always try to add something in there. You know, like Offense try to make it a little bit harder because if you're saying alert and you're on defense and you hear the offense say alert, you're like, hold up. Like, they're about to change something. Or they, they're they're trying to alert everybody that something, it's a possibility something can be changed. Because there's been times I'll be like, alert, alert. And then I'll be like, uh, dummy, dummy. I wouldn't say dummy, but I'll say like, uh, like, what, like, donkey, donkey, donkey. And that means like, that's not a real play, you know? But I'll be like, Dunky left, dunky left, dunky left. And everybody on the team like, oh, D for dummy, dunky, yeah, that, that's nothing. We're not running that, you know? And that's the same thing for offense, but you have to alert everybody because if you say something, now it alerts the offense and defense that you're changing something, you know? So that, that's why they like to do it. Now, before I get to this quarterback thing that I want, I want to do with you, um, this may sound like a very simple question, but, but how do you tell? I mean, I know you end up being able to tell. And again, you've played these guys multiple times, but what are some of the signs that you can tell the difference between a smart and a dumb quarterback? Uh, that's a hard one. So the thing is, with smart quarterbacks, you can kind of almost tell because when they're making checks or they're really analyzing things or even just the, the, like the decision-making they have. Sometimes you just look at the decision-making and you be like, man, that was such a dumb throw or like that was a dumb check that he made or why, or like, why would they be in this situation? Like, you'll see sometimes a, a defense will be in something and a quarterback will look at it and then he just looked confused and just say, hut. It, like, Ben and Tom and Drew and Phillip, they're going to look at the defense and they'll be like, okay, 
Like they're trying to trick me, but at the end of the day, it could be either this or this. Dumb quarterbacks, they go up and be like, and and this, and I'm not gonna call them dumb because young quarterbacks fall for this a lot. They'll go up to the, the line and see two safeties back, and they're like, oh, this is cover two or cover four immediately. You know, and really good defenses, they'll show cover two, but it'll be in cover one or be in cover three. You know, because cover three and cover one look the same. Cover two and cover four look the same. So you try to get a different different defenses to look like that. And when you see young quarterbacks, they often try to see what you're in right away. But young, older quarterbacks, you can see, and, and they're more experienced, you can see they'll wait a little bit longer because they know somebody in the defense is going to tell something. And that's like when Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady, like you'll show cover two, but like a, a second-year safety or a rookie safety, He's like, man, I got to get in my zone. Like, I, I got to get out of here. You know, when once he starts screwing up, that's when you hear alert, alert, alert. Uh, he, down safety right, down safety right. You know, and that's when you know is more of a, a prepared quarterback or a more experienced quarterback. But young quarterbacks, they be like, hey, Michael linebacker here. And then they allow the linemen to, to choose the, the, the run gaps and the pass gaps. And then they're trying to figure out things in the back. But older quarterbacks, you can tell they, they try to take their time. While young quarterbacks and not as experienced quarterbacks, they speed things up a little bit faster because that's when they're trying to get defense out of balance because they can't really read the defense as well. Has there been a game where you went up against somebody where like this guy keeps checking into the wrong thing all the time and you guys are laughing about it on the sideline? Because that must be some of the funnest stuff when you guys just are you're rolling as a defense and you go, We have this guy, he's screwed right now. So we definitely had some guys like, yo, they like we obviously knew everything they were doing, but it wasn't more if he was checking into it. It was more of like we were really disguising stuff and just throwing him completely off. So we'll be in like a cover two, I mean a cover one, or we'll be in a blitz. And and the safeties and the linebacker would just talk and be like, hey, hey, we'll be like, hey, hold this a little bit longer. If you hold yeah. this a little bit longer, it's like, well, you can catch a pick. He's not going to know where we're in. And it's going to be a it's gonna be a big play. And sometimes the quarterback will be like, oh, I like what I see up here. Hut. And then boom, pick or boom, sack or you know, our two-yard loss in the backfield. Because if you're a cover two, teams think, oh, I can run the ball. But if your safety comes down with three seconds left and now they hike the ball, he it's a free tackle for him. You know, so it's not it's not so often they'll check into the wrong thing. It's more that they, they won't check out of it. The linebacker picks always look way worse than the safety ones are. Like the safety can be just totally different pages on the route. It could be somebody's arm was hit and it's just hanging in the air. But when they throw a linebacker pick, it's it's like, oh, you yeah, you yeah, did not even hurts. linebacker yeah. picks hurts because the thing is, if, when you're when you're looking from TV, you're like, how how could you throw it to that guy? You know, and it's like, but the thing is, linebackers is like they they they're like they're so focused on looking at their guys. Linebackers can like just sweep in super quick because we're underneath coverage. So, or you can you underestimate somebody. Like for me. I was a guy that was pretty athletic, so I could run to something a lot faster than you expected, or I could jump higher than you expected. So if you're trying to throw a, a, a dagger route or something, and you don't see me or you don't see Luke Keekley, and we're just roaming around the field, we're looking at your eyes, boom, it's a pick. And everybody's like, man, you just threw it to that guy's chest. It's, it's not It's not like that. It's just They're not even looks, accounting for you. Like yeah, that's not, it, right? They're not really accounting for you. Like once it gets to a certain depth of the defense, they don't account for you to be that far back. Okay. So speaking of the quarterbacks, then I want to do this game, and I want to see how much you agree or disagree. Trust rankings for QBs. I've got four tiers here. Okay. 
And in the top one, it's Mahomes, Rodgers, Russell. I have Brady fourth out of that group. I couldn't put Josh Allen in the first tier. Do you have any issues with me having a trust level of those four beyond anyone else that's playing in the playoffs? So, Am I leaving someone out or am I putting somebody in I shouldn't? So can you say that one more time? Yeah, it's Mahomes, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and then Brady. So Mahomes, I can see 100%. Okay. I like this. We're already off to a bad start. It's terrific. Mahomes, I can see right away. <laughs> Tom, I can see for sure. And the reason I'm saying this is because these guys have success in the, in the, in the playoffs. So the one guy that like Rodgers, obviously you will want him, but in the playoffs, you know, he, he he's let the game slip away from him. Yeah, his defense has also gotten smoked a bunch too. So no, no, I, no, I think that, it's that is true. That it is has true. to be brought up when we look at Rodgers' yeah. record. No, that's true. All right. And then and then you said Wilson. Yeah. Oh, you're not feeling it. You want to you want to put him in a second tier. All right, that's no, cool. no, no. The thing is, it's like Wilson is kind of in the, bri- the the breeze tier to me, and the reason I say this is because not Breeze's arm or anything like that. It's just everybody's like, "Yo, Russ is like one of the best quarterbacks the last like three years," you know. But when it comes to the playoff time, it's like their team always finds a way to get losing the playoffs, you know, or don't make the playoffs. And I feel if you're an, if you're a successful quarterback, you know. You got to find a way to at least get some wins in the playoffs, you know, or or at least get to the the, the, the championship game. Like at least Rodgers got to the championship game last year, you know. So that's why it's kind of tricky me with that one. But I, I would go with that for him. I would go with that. Okay, one. but no, yeah, I get what you're doing here. All right, so I think some people look statistically at Josh. I just can't do it yet. I I can't. I've got to see the. I can't put so, Josh up there. Josh, no. Josh, yeah, I can't put Josh. And but what I did do for him is I put him ahead of this next group. So I have the Josh Allen tier is his own tier. And then the third tier is Rivers, who when you really break down the career playoff numbers, he's he's not even close to who he's been in the regular season. He's played one playoff game since 2013. And so that's... Yeah, that's what, seven years? Yes, that's by my math. I'll double check it here again. But I, I think he has one game at 37. Oh, we're 2021. Then, is it we're 20, what, eight years? Uh, well, I think it's 2013 season. So 20 oh, okay, season, okay, 13 okay. season. I'll double check it here because now I feel like I, I got to make sure I prove myself to Shazir here. Um, so that's going back and looking at this. Yeah. So I, look, this, this tier is, and you can take it however you want and throw it around here. I've got Rivers, Ben, Breeze, Lamar, Baker, Tannehill, and that's that middle group there where any run by this group, okay, Breeze might surprise me a little. The Lamar playoff thing is a little concerning, but he, you know, he's still, you know, we'll see how this one goes. Baker's kind of all over the place. I think Tannehill's a little one-dimensional, even though the stats are really good. So I put that group together in their own group, which is okay, we'll see what happens here, but they're just not the other guys. I, I can't believe this. Okay. You pick you pick <laughs> Breeze, Ben. It, I understand. I understand Rivers, but you be a breeze and been in the same category is is Baker and Lamar. Right? Like, come on. I can't. I can't agree with that. I can't agree with that. And the reason you've watched, that, you've watched, you have cable this year, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I understand Ben is in the plan as well. But you say like trust level in the playoffs. Okay, reason, look, th- that part of it, yes, resume in a big spot. He's not going to be freaked out. But there's no one in the crowd. I just, I'm going. 
ability part of it. It isn't resume thing. I, no, I to me, I just, like, I'm just going with how big of games it is. Like, I feel in a yeah. big moment, I know Breeze is going to step up. I know Ben is going to step up. You know, like, Breeze is going to step up versus the Bills. Like, come on. Like, I had like, Baker behind them both and Lamar behind them, if it makes you feel a little bit better. No, nah, you can't even, they can't even be in the same tier. Like, so you want to add a tier. You want to add a tier of, of veteran no, disappointment. No, I feel like, this, this, this is what I say. I feel like Josh Allen should be in his tier. Yeah. And then Ben and Breeze should be in that tier. But And like, Rivers? Do you want to put Ben? No, I, no, I can't put Rivers. Okay, all right. I love so Rivers. Want- I, I love Rivers, but he, he's, like his playoff resume is not good enough. Okay. All right. So you want another tier that's after Josh Allen where it's, no, it's the Ben and Breeze tier. tier. It's oh, okay. You want to put them in there. All right. Yeah, but it's just like, obviously, they're not like, they're like almost out of that tier, but they're in it. Like, like as Josh Allen is almost in the other tier, but like he has the stats, he has in the season, but you're like, ah, uh, I can't put you in it. You know? And so that's, I think that's how they are in the bottom tier. Like, ah, we can't pitch you that far down. We can't pitch you that far down. Hey, I get where you're coming from on this because just you saying alone, like, wait, and you're just covering your face with your hands, being like, you put Ben and Breeze in the Baker and <laughs> Dude, the like, you tier. Like, what are you, you can't what are you pit doing? Ben in a, a tier with a guy that's haven't been in the, in the playoffs since 2013. That is my rookie year in the NFL. Now, I think that's the year before my rookie year. And a guy that never been to the playoffs, and I understand Baker is what his third year, fourth year, third, 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 third year. year, third year. So he's a young guy, you know. But I just like they don't trust Baker at all. They don't trust Baker. They trust Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubbs. That's who they trust. So that is why I can't pick them in that tier. Then Lamar in the playoffs is not. Good. So I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like Lamar, I think Lamar had like a hundred yard passing game this year. I can't, I can't do it. So for Rivers, they beat Lamar in 18 and then they lost in New England. So it's two games, but it's the same season. So there's been, that was a good pickup by you, but it's still kind of the same thing is he's had one playoff season since 2013 when he was in oh. San Diego. So it's the same thing, but yeah. you know, he's, he's basically had one playoff season. Um, in the last seven years. I like what you did there, but I, basically what I did was I like the skill of the less proven guys better than the proven guys. And instead of adding like seven tiers here for 14 quarterbacks, I was like, I'm just going to throw <laughs> right. them all in the same thing. But I can understand the resistance to it. And then I, I, I rounded it out with Mitch, Goff, and Trubisky. Or excuse me, Mitch is also Trubisky, a.k.a. Mitch Trubisky. All right, Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, and Alex Smith are the bottom three. So you're taking Baker over Alex Smith? Yeah. And the playoff Alex Smith isn't that good either. So I, I I can understand that. But that is resume right there. That's that's resume right there. So Trubisky is the worst. I'm a, I'm Trubisky at the bottom. Golf went to a, a Super Bowl. I'm aware. So golf is better than I think golf is better than Baker too. Are you letting the Steelers hate flow through no, your no. You, you, blood here? Do you really you really feel Baker's better than golf? Yeah, I do. I'm a little down on golf, but maybe maybe it's the thumb. Maybe it was the thumb the last couple of games. Yeah, he's been playing. hurt. He's been hurt. I understand that. If he's if he's hurt, he's in the bottom tier. If he's not hurt, I think he's better than Baker. So you'd put Baker in the bottom one, or would you just move? Would you switch golf out for him, or just add Baker to the bottom tier? 
I have to respect Lamar too, though, because like he's the MVP. You haven't yet. <laughs> Just two minutes ago, you said how bad he was in the playoffs, <laughs> and he's not good in the playoffs. You, we're talking about playoffs now. Like I'm aware. Yeah, no, no, we, we're on the same page here. Do you want to put Mason Rudolph in the second tier because you seem to really <laughs> like him? <right? laughs> Mason, I'll play Baker last game. Uh, you don't like Baker, and that's and this this is I mean, no, probably no, it's, not, it's, it's not that I don't like Baker, but. He got outplayed by Mason Rudolph last game. I didn't know what to do with Ben and Breeze. I didn't. I, I've I've defended Breeze forever, and I I'm like, you know what? Uh, let is... me go to these stats again. I just don't want to. I, I don't want to. You know. But I really feel like oh the QBR stuff. Like we we're gonna do it with the uh, like, like, later look, today. Like, look at this. Look at this. Mason had 315 yards, two touchdowns. Baker had 196 yards and one touchdown. Like I can't, I can't put him in that same tier. I can't do it. You got outplayed by Mason Rudolph. Yeah, but that was a revenge game for Mason Rudolph. So you're not factoring was, that I, in. I don't think that was really a revenge game. <laughs> he lost, but there was it was personal. <laughs> uh, hey, you can check out. I, I really appreciate it, man. I'm going to let you bounce. The NFL, sh- the NFL Ringer Show here, Ryan Shazier, Cole Wright, out every Tuesdays. You can check that out right after the playoffs. So make sure you download that one and subscribe. Enjoy the games this weekend, man. All right. Oh, yeah, you too, man. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Cintas. In sports, you're always thinking of that next play. It's the same with business. Cintas has the products, people, and solutions that help keep you a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are the dedicated service reps who help make sure your team has what you need when you need it. They really got you covered. Cintas has workwear and apparel for almost any job imaginable. They have styles that are durable, comfortable, and great looking. And they'll deliver fresh uniforms back to your business every week. They'll deliver floor mats and restroom products and stock your essential cleaning supplies. They provide first aid supplies, safety training, and life-saving AED defibrillators. And then they'll even test and inspect your fire extinguishers, fire protection systems, and emergency exit lights. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. Hey, this is going to be fun. Uh, this is a guy I like reading a lot uh, from The Athletic. Uh, I know we covered the Eagles for a while. Sheila Kapadia joins us here on the podcast. Okay. You did this really great piece, man, where it was essentially ranking all the offenses, all the defenses. I want to start with the defensive side of this first because I think it's a surprising group. You rank them, you know, one through all the playoff teams here, who you trust the most. I- I'm into a lot of the numbers that you're using, some of the DVOA stuff, the EPA as well. Um, but why did you come to the conclusion? Like, do you feel like statistically and what you see, what the Rams are now, especially as they've closed the season, that they're the best defense of all the playoff teams? Yeah, I, I had them number one. Uh, statistically, they're there. You know, Football Outsiders does kind of the weighted DVOA where it looks at who's playing the best at the end of the season. They're first there. But the reason I like them the most is just because, like, who can match up with the elite offenses, right? You have a corner in Jalen Ramsey 
who can just take a wide receiver out of the game. I mean, we throw around shutdown corner all the time. There aren't that many of them. He is like the elite of the elite. So uh, that was one reason. And then obviously, you know, I, I don't want to come on your podcast and talk about Aaron Donald being good. That's not really a, a hot take or a uh, or a creative take there. But I mean, come on, the guy can t- he also can take over a game. So you look at those two guys, I compared them, you know, to maybe a team like the Steelers who could have an argument, but um, the Steelers don't have as their corners are not as good. And so uh, those two guys really elevated them along with everything else the Rams do scheme wise. Yeah. If you want to take it any way you want instead of us just because I know I can be guilty of it too. when you're just like ranking DVOA then repeating it and all that stuff. But the weighted stuff is important because there are these teams that have variants that I want to get to too on the extreme variance teams on both sides of the football. But when the Rams can do what they do with only four and clearly Donald is a big of reason for that for anyone. I think we've seen it all the time in playoff history. If you can get there with four, you can then do a bunch of other things. And at least for the Rams in their matchup against Seattle, I think it plays in well to kind of how we feel about Seattle at this point, because that's not even close to the same offense we saw in the first half. So looking at their strengths against Seattle's weakness on offense, how do you see that playing out? The big thing with the Seahawks, you know, if you look at their numbers, the second half of the season, they were a very mediocre offense. You know, they lit the world on fire early on. They start out 5-0. and Russell Wilson's getting MVP talk. But if you look at them in like the last eight weeks or so, they haven't done a lot of that. And the big thing that's been taken away is their deep vertical passing game. You know, Pete Carroll, he's... He's a conservative coach. He wants to win with with defense first and foremost, but he's always believed in kind of an explosive vertical passing game. And so defenses have taken that away. away. They've played a little bit more with two deep safeties. The Rams are the best defense in the NFL at limiting those explosive plays. They allowed 13 all year completions downfield. And so you look at that and you look at the the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks are going to have to efficiently move the ball down the field in this game, they're going to have to be patient. I would be surprised. You know, maybe they'll scheme some things up and surprise us, but uh, I would be surprised if they were able to hit on a lot of those explosive plays downfield. Yeah, I knew as we were watching Seattle at the beginning of the season, not only the offensive side with Russ, but then you're looking at the defense that everybody was carving up. I mean, they couldn't defend anybody in the passing game. It was historically bad. It was on pace for like some of the worst numbers we've ever seen. I think a few weeks in, it was a 420 yards allowed in the air I mean, a yeah. game. I mean, it was nuts, but... There's Jamal Adams numbers here where you go, this is incredible um, when you factor him in the lineup, out of the lineup, and then, of course, his own health situation as far as this weekend's concerned. What is real? Because sometimes as well, and I know you've pointed this out, you start looking at these improvement in numbers and you're like, okay, they just played three backup quarterbacks in a terrible offense for a month. So what are we supposed to do that? So Seattle, we know the splits defensively. We know the Adams part, but what are they doing that's actually bankable as far as being an improved defense? Yeah, this is sometimes I wish I covered, you know, basketball or baseball where you get these large samples. And, and in football, it's hard. Even when you have 16 games, it's not enough. But then when you're looking at those splits with and without a guy like Jamal Adams, you know, I, I looked it up and they were like a top 10, 10 defense with Adams. And they were, like you mentioned, 28th, 29th in the league without him. So I, I think the one thing that he really allows them to do is get after the quarterback. You know, you, you typically would not say that about a safety, but he's obviously used in a very 
very different way. And they typically had not blitzed a lot under Pete Carroll. I mean, you look at his kind of defensive foundation. It's all about rushing with four, playing seven in coverage and winning that way. But this year, the, you know, I think they were around 11th in terms of blitz frequency. And Adams was the guy who they could move around, line him up in different places and kind of just let him tee off on the quarterback. I think he had nine sacks this season. So you take that away and we'll see if he plays or if he doesn't play. I know he's got the shoulder injury, so we'll see if he's 100%. But if you kind of take him away from their pass rush, it's it's mediocre to below average. And so uh, that's something, you know, it might not necessarily kill them in the first round against the Rams. But if you're kind of looking at them as a team that could possibly make a run in the NFC, uh, e- even with the trade they made for Carlos Dunlap, it's still not a very good pass rush. Who are you picking? I've got the Seahawks in this game, nervously. Uh, we don't know who's who's going to uh, play for the Rams at quarterback. I think it's going to be like an ugly tight game. And if the line was a little bit higher, uh, I would have been tempted to take the Rams to cover. I did flip flop on it quite a bit, but then I'm like, dude, you're going to feel so stupid if you take the Rams and like, you know, if you take John Wolford against Russell Wilson, when it's a three point line, you're just going to feel like such an idiot. So sometimes those picks are about, you know, making myself feel good when the game is over. I want to pick the Rams so badly. (laughs) And then I'm like, look, even if Goff is healthy, are you really picking Goff against Russell Wilson? Are you really going to do that and I you know at least Rams defense has had so many nights where I'm I'm so impressed with them and then I think as they've improved I consistently keep going like when is Goff going to end up being somebody because I feel like Goff could be on that Garoppolo trajectory where you kind of talk yourself into him and you're excited and it's new and look they put together a terrific season that Super Bowl year the year before that was pretty good statistically and now it's been on this steady decline the last two years as if I think people have figured him out a bit more and you're wondering, like, wait, are the Rams going to say, hey, we still have this core defensively? Let's actually just try to get better on that side of the football, even though, you know, they paid Goff so much money. And I'm sure the, the timing of it and the money they put up front, they could move on if they wanted to. But that's what it feels like. And I feel like I was totally right in the Garoppolo thing and the Goff yeah. part. I'm like, I don't know. With McVay, you wonder if you can do it. I'm so scared of picking. I'm just going to go ahead and do it and do the Rams, even though I know on Monday I'm going to feel like an idiot for picking against <laughs> Russell Wilson. Okay, the Steelers all year long. Hey, we know what the offense looks like. The defense can carry him. T.J. Watt has been incredible. I like their front four probably as much as anybody in the league. I think Washington's in the conversation now a little bit too, but T.J. was incredible. I don't know that we'd look at the Colts. Like, I was reading some of the stuff. I don't know if it was you. You know, a bunch of it was like, hey, they took some more shots against the Colts. They also got some flags in that one. So with their defense, is it enough against a Cleveland team who they completely didn't care about Week 17? Do you think that's enough to at least get them the wild card win? Yeah, I I do. I mean, Cleveland is is in such a tough spot. We, you know, they're not going to have their play caller. I think that's a huge deal. And the other thing with Kevin Stefanski is he was really good in sort of in-game management. You know, you look at like timeouts and challenges and being aggressive on fourth down, all those different types of things. I thought he did a great job this year. And so for him not to be on the sideline, they're in such a tough spot. The the Browns are down an offensive lineman. So I don't know what this Steelers ceiling is. Like it, it wouldn't shock me to see them all of a sudden go on a run and like Roethlisberger's chucking it downfield because it's not a lack of talent for them. You know, those wide receivers are still very tough to match up with. The offensive line is okay. It's not great, but like they don't have to, you know, they don't have to be good for four months. The offense kind of has to be good enough here for two or three games. And I I think the defense is right there in the conversation with the Rams. So I I definitely like the Steelers in the wild card round. And then I kind of want to see how they're going to play here, whether they're going to be aggressive, whether the offense is going to look better as to what their ceiling is. I love the pressure rate stuff because it really tells you who's getting home, who's winning. And Pittsburgh, 
is that a is that just with the four or was that a blitz rate? Because where did you have them as far as their pressure rate wins in the league? Yeah, that that that's total. And and you're that's a great point because they blitz, I think, more than any other team. So when you do that, obviously you're gonna be able to scheme things up. But I think their numbers are pretty good, whether they're rushing four or whether they're blitzing. I mean, they've got so many guys up front. Watt gets uh, all the attention and rightfully so, but Stefan to it. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I looked up his numbers. Eleven sacks on the season. Cam Hayward is, is the guy who like Every offensive coordinator's like, you know, Cam Hayward doesn't get enough love. Like this no, guy's he doesn't. underrated. I mean, the yeah. sack numbers are low, but he's <laughs> right. an interior guy. So, yeah. you know, it, you, they're usually those guys, like your 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 tackles aren't going to be getting right. 10 or 11 sacks. I love him. I, I mean, I feel like there's all these times where plays are out to the side where he's tackling the running back. And you're like, there he is. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's great. And and then Minka Fitzpatrick on, on the back end is one of the best defensive players in the league, period. So uh, they're just rock solid. I mean, they, they can take over a game. They can force turnovers. It seems like Watt forces a turnover every game. So uh, I'm not like totally out on them. I know some people are totally out on them because of the way like the last month went with their offense. I still feel like there's a chance that they're a team that can like make some noise and maybe even pull off an upset there uh, in the divisional round. The reason I like the Steelers, and it isn't just the limitations with Stefanski and the coaching staff here, but I, I love this number too from the uh, Football Outsiders guys, the variance number. So what you're looking at here is what are you at your best, what are you at your worst, and how wide is that gap? And Cleveland coming in offensively, uh, they're the second widest variance on the high end of the low end. The only team worse than them offensively this year were the New England Patriots, which makes all the sense in the world. It's actually surprising they had that many high variance games, to be honest with you, for New England's offense. But what have you seen from Cleveland? As Browns fans know, like there's some Sundays where it looks great and there's others where it isn't. And usually the ones where it doesn't look great is when Breakers, Baker's dealing with pressure. And I would think this Steelers defense in the playoffs, like that's going to be the biggest part of this, which doesn't have a great track record for Baker. I think you nailed it right there. I mean, their offensive line has been arguably the best in the NFL. And so when he has time, their offense can look really good. I didn't think the offense had a high ceiling. And then all of a sudden, like the last month of the season, they had that game against the Ravens. Uh, I forget what I think against Tennessee, right? They're putting up 40 points like two or three weeks. It's also in a row, Tennessee, I, which we'll get to. Right. But. Yeah. Everybody's putting up 40 <laughs> against them. But uh, so, so their ceiling is a little bit higher than I anticipated. Now, they do a lot of good things schematically to kind of not let Baker get a lot of pressure. You know, the bootlegs, they're getting him all the, the play action. They're getting him out to one side to really help him. And he definitely did play better. I mean, in terms of accuracy, decision-making, all those different types of things. And then if they have a lead in the fourth quarter with that offensive line in that run game, it felt like, you know, every other week, Nick Chubb had like a, a 35-yard run with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they just put a game away. So uh, that's the key there. But, you know, that they, they face a very tough matchup against that Steelers front. All right, so it sounds like we're both going Pittsburgh there on that one. Um, and then yes. there's also the Denzel Ward situation here as well with Cleveland. So we're talking about two completely different defenses with uh, their best player in the secondary there. All right, um, so you had Pittsburgh. So going back to this, you trust the Rams the most. We're going trust rankings, uh, Pittsburgh. The Saints one surprised me a bit. So if we jump ahead um, to their game, and I'm just trying to remind myself here that, all right, we know about the offensive issues with Kamara and Thomas. We're taping this Thursday night, so we're going to have an update by the time a lot of you guys hear this. But you know, I don't know that Chicago is going to be tested. The Chicago story is a nice story, but I don't know that it's a real story. And it's actually probably the best-case scenario here for New Orleans going up against a team like this, going, you know, look, we could probably figure some things out here. And then if we don't have all of our guys, I mean, I know I'm not trying to write off anybody here, but if I'm New Orleans, I'm thrilled I get to play the Bears. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They they got a great matchup here and they've been kind of figuring out ways to win without their top guys for two years here, whether it was quarterback or anybody else. So their defense is interesting because the variance you just talked about, their defense has the highest variance in the NFL. And that's really bad the, for everybody, just so they understand. Right. Like that's a yeah. bad thing. <laughs> it, it means, you know, on their best day, they can match up with the high powered offenses. On their worst day, they can just get absolutely lit up. And you're thinking, like, how did I ever believe? leave uh, in this defense. So those are the tough teams to gamble on too, right? The high variance ones, because you could just be in a situation where you think one thing and then all of a sudden Saturday or Sunday comes around and you think something else. So uh, they do a lot of different things kind of with their, their coverages. They play a lot of man coverage and they also play a lot with two deep safety. So if you want to, you know, line up and just run the ball on them or, or try to run the ball on them all day long, you can do that. They're going to play with a lot of defensive backs, but uh, they are tough in the passing game. They can match up to a lot of different guys, whether it's wide receivers, tight ends, whatever. And uh, their pass rush, it's kind of their pass rush is based on the ability to make the quarterback hold the football. So they play man coverage, make the QB hold the football, and then they kind of get home that way. Is there any thought just from watching or a statistical breakdown where you go, I like Chicago in this spot? Like, is there something that Chicago does offensively that you think can can exploit something that happens with New Orleans? Because New Orleans' win rate, as far as their pass rush, is very low. I don't think it's a big surprise. Like, I like the names, but they don't get home a lot. Right. And, you know, they're secondary. It's not like a bunch of athletes flying around. They're, they're older players that are physical, which can be great sometimes. But I don't know if Mitch is the guy to to exploit that, even though, you know, look, I think our standards for Mitch are pretty low. So we probably felt better about him the last month, the closing month of the season. Yeah. That, the one thing that stood out to me when I was doing the analysis of this game is so you look at what they've done with Trubisky since he's he's been back in the lineup and they've been heavy, heavy play action. I mean, they almost look like the Titans and Ryan Tannehill with the rates they're using play action. And, and to Trubisky's credit, again, small sample, not great opponents, but he's been efficient out of play action. And that's one area where the Saints have not been great. You know, they rank in the bottom half of the league against play action passes. So I think that's obviously got to be a huge part of Chicago's offensive game game plan. They, they've run the ball better. I think they should be able to do that in this game with Montgomery and then play action. Like this is a keep it simple bears game plan, you know, get the ball to Allen Robinson play action, run the ball. Don't do anything stupid. See if your defense can kind of keep you in it. So uh, I'm actually taking the bears to cover uh, on this one. Talk about one where you're going to be kicking yourself uh, after the game, if you get it wrong, but I, I feel like maybe their defense can do enough and maybe they can make a couple plays uh, with play action to keep it relatively close with that big number. How much does that have to do with Breeze and who he is right now? So give me your full Breeze breakdown. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with it. I mean, they, they cannot push the ball downfield consistently and I feel like his numbers are great like I'm looking at all their offensive numbers some of the QBR stuff and I was going through it over the weekend you go (laughs) man if I hadn't watched this because I (laughs) I'll admit I kept defending him I kept defending the decision making and all this like I've always had this thing where you know you want to limit your interceptions but then there's almost a line that you cross where you're never throwing them which means you're actually not doing much so you know his QBR and some of that stuff you're like oh it's still pretty good but it's it's hard to defend watching it at times, and then some of the distance traveled stuff is just you can't like when you're at the bottom of the league for two years. It's it's you know 
There, there might not be a crazier thing where the the eyes don't align with the stats, it, like in the playoffs, than that. I, I mean, I'm totally with you. I'm I'm trying to find like a hole. I'm like, wait a minute. They, he's he's top five here. Their offense is top five. If it, everything, and, and they've just been really good. And I think that's a credit to to Sean Payton and the way. Uh, I mean, do you think he sucks? Up. No, I don't think he sucks. I think yeah. I think a lot of weeks they're going to light people up because he knows exactly where to go. He's getting the ball out quickly. If you're playing zone coverage, it's going to be really easy for them. I mean, him and Peyton are aligned more than maybe any other quarterback and head coach. But I do think a team like the Bears, like if the Bears are able to play man coverage and make him hold the ball a little bit, uh, their defensive statistics and performance hasn't been great, but like in a one game scenario, you know, there could be a situation where announcers going crazy about how underrated Khalil Mack is. And oh my gosh, you know, look at what Akeem Hicks is doing. So that type of game, uh, I think it is in play. I think what they can't do is just kind of sit back, play zone and let Breeze just move the ball down the field with eight, nine, 10 play drives. Cause he's the guy who can still do that. This episode is brought to you by Royal Caribbean. What are you going to do for your next vacation? Beach, island hopping, hiking, a little culture? Choose Royal Caribbean and you can go on all the vacations at once. That's the point. You want to go to Greece? How about they get you there? Everywhere else. I've looked at the Alaska packages. Alaska Inside Package, Alaska Experience Cruise, Vancouver, round trip, one way out of Seattle. They have it all. They make it easier for you with adventure at every stop. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Visit RoyalCaribbean.com to learn more. Okay, your number four most trusted defense here, the Washington football team. And, you know, I've been over this a million times here on this podcast where at first I'm like, look, they're playing terrible offenses. They get down. They don't have to worry about the pass. I mean, some of those things are real. I've seen bad teams have some really cool defensive numbers, and it's like because no one cares about playing you. And then you start paying attention to them more. That Pittsburgh game, I I think, put them on the radar. You look at the personnel. So I don't love the secondary. I know you don't, but the win rate for their pass rushers is terrific. That's four really good, probably five if you count in everybody they rotate there, really good players there. It gets a Tampa team that you want to talk variance. I mean, they're, they're all over the place defensively. Um, Brady ended up having a really good season there. And and I think that that's the part where you go, okay, you combine him with what you'd expect that there's no moment that's going to scare him. I mean, it would be shocking if they can't go into Washington and beat this team, but that defense is for real. And Tampa has looked like every single version of a football team this season. Yeah, what one thing I did for for my uh, picks that I'm writing for tomorrow is just looked at every quarterback against top 10 defenses. And Tom Brady's numbers, and again, it's four games, were alarmingly bad against top 10 defenses. They played the Saints twice. They played the Bears. They played the Rams. They lost all four of those games. And like the advanced numbers are, you know, among the worst in the NFL. And so it it is interesting. You know, you look at it and you're like, all right, there's no way Alex Smith is going to, you know, that Washington offense is terrible right now. Everyone's injured. But in terms of can Washington keep it close? You know, you mentioned it. Everything is about their defensive front. You know, if they can win their matchups up front, we know Bruce Arians is not going to adjust. They're not going to just be a quick hitting passing game. They want to push the ball downfield. He's going to be taking deep drops. Like there's a scenario where they're hitting him early. He's coming to the side line. He, he wants to punch a, a hole through the tablet. He's MFing everybody in his path. Like one of those wild Saturday night games, I think is in play because I do think Washington's front is that good. I mean, Chase Young had a play last week uh, against the Eagles 
where he just chased down Jalen Hurts like on a rollout or a bootleg where I was just like my, my jaw dropped like I had to rewind it like this guy is is unbelievable and so if they can win some of those matchups up front Tampa's offensive line is good but if if Washington can win some of those uh I think they could be at least a little bit frisky in this game you know and keep it relatively close Chase Young plays like Jadavian Clowney's highlight tape you know, that, that's, absolutely. 100%. That, it's like, actually, no, he's playing like that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, not just not like when Clowney, like his second to last year in college, when you were like, oh, my God. And right. then I don't know that we've we've seen that guy consistently since. But you know, when you bring up the Brady against the four top 10 defenses, like as I play it through, I'll go, OK, the first game, I don't think he was bad. I think they had some miscommunications. Um, there was one overthrow that I think led to one of the picks. I think he had two or do you have three in that game? I don't know. I'm just going off the top of my head. The Bears game was all about penalties. They got so smoked by New Orleans that I think he just started doing dumb shit in general. Yeah. He had two picks in that game where one was a fourth down and then another one was a sideline throw. Like I'm an expert on Brady's mistakes. So I just 20 years of watching <laughs> this guy. So I'll go, hey, wait, the numbers are the numbers. But look, no Devin White. We don't know what's going to happen with, I mean, with no Evans, it, it changes who you are because he's such a brutal matchup for them. Um, I'm not ready. I'm not quite ready to go there yet just because the Alex Smith part of this is probably one of the most overlooked storylines. We are so excited that he is back and that he is healthy. Anyone who watches that documentary on ESPN on him, it is emotional it, it like if you don't know about it and you think you know and then you watch it and you go my god this guy almost lost his leg everything they went through so it's almost been this perception bubble around him to talk he's the worst quarterback of any of the playoff teams yeah yeah uh, yeah he is he, he, and they have the worst offense uh i mean it's like unprecedented it's, to have an offense like they have and make the playoffs so you know yeah, it's and the, i and i'm not trying to be like nasty about it it's right. just the truth here we go boys there's 14 of these teams left yeah and I don't I don't feel like it's ever really brought up. And I know he was in and out. I know he was hurt. It's awesome. He's even walking, let alone playing NFL games. But if we're picking sides here and picking games, it's hard to really back them, uh, even with that defense. Okay. So yeah. the next one, there's Tampa. So let it, let's finish this thought on this game because Tampa, uh, you have them as your fifth most trusted, but we already touched on that variance thing here. And then the Devin White factor is is huge. The Devin White factor is big because they are a big blitzing team with Todd Bowles. And Devin White is a huge part of that. I mean, for a off-ball linebacker to have nine sacks uh, is very rare. So he is a huge part of their blitz packages. Uh, so he's not in there. And so maybe their blitzes are not going to be as effective. You know, having said that, they're not great at cornerback. I don't love their their cornerback position, but uh, up front, they're very strong. It, it's just hard for me. You know, like you said, Alex Smith is a great story. It's hard for me to picture a scenario given that he's playing with an injury, McLaurin's playing with an injury, Gibson has an injury, uh, for those that offense to be able to move the ball consistently. So I, I think Washington's path to like a competitive game here is they got to force a turnover or two where, wash, where, where the offense gets an easy field goal, an easy touchdown, maybe you steal something on special teams. Like It's got to be that kind of game for Washington to really be in it in the fourth quarter. Your sixth most trusted defense, Baltimore, uh, in their game against Tennessee. So give me a breakdown of who Baltimore is defensively this year compared to last year. Well, it's last. So, so in their DNA, in the defensive coordinators, DNA is like, I'm blitzing, I'm blitzing the crap out of every opponent. We don't care. We'll leave our corners on an Island. And so last year that worked out great. They were the best blitzing team in the NFL. Now this year, they're still blitzing a lot, not quite as much, 
but they haven't been nearly as good. Now they've had injuries. So, so maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's on film. They put out a lot of stuff out there last year and offenses said, okay, we've got some tells. We know what's coming, but they rank 19th just in terms of kind of their efficiency when they blitz. And so uh, you kind of look at, you know, not only this matchup against the Titans, but really if you feel like the Ravens can be a sleeper team and the numbers suggest they actually don't have to blitz that much. You know, when they rush four or fewer, especially when a guy like Calais Campbell's back in the lineup, they've got Ngakwe, they've got Judon. I mean, they've got guys up front who can win. And so you wonder if they'll tweak a little bit of that game plan based on the opponent. Say, you know what? We can devote some of these guys to coverage. We don't have to be kind of gamble as much as we have in the past. And our defense can be good that way. So they have a high ceiling. I mean, I I love their talent. I I really like the defensive coordinator. I think they're a team that can just any given week, just like dominate defensively, but they haven't been playing great down the stretch. And so it's a matter of whether getting these guys back healthy makes a huge difference or not. Yeah, I think the great thing, if you're a Ravens fan, is that Lamar, because it wasn't new this year, and I think he had some rough patches because you were looking at some of the stack comparisons of last year and this year, and you're like, man, he's not even close. And the way he finished, and yes, it could be schedule bias here with all of it, but he ended up with a really solid season that kind of went off under the radar because like, hey, you already won your MVP. All right, you've already established yourself. You're one of the most exciting players to watch in the entire league. I'm not sure how much I trust him after this week, but speaking of your trust, you have Tennessee 14 out of 14 teams on defense. That's absolutely the right call here. Their third down conversion, last in the league, 52% opposition. At one point this season, the regular season, it was 60%. I mean, it's an unheard of number there. So how do you feel about what Lamar will be able to do against a team that still Tennessee should score points against Baltimore? Yeah, they're normally even with the bad defenses, you can find like one or two things that they do okay. Like it's not really the case with the Titans. I mean, they stink across the board. They and if you're a man against Lamar, he's going to burn you so many times yes. running at some point. So you know yeah. they'll probably have to figure out some adjustment off of that. But I'd look for him to start exploiting that early because guys are going to be turning and running with all of his receivers. Absolutely, yeah. So so they don't have a lot of answers I feel like defensively you know they give up a lot of explosive plays they're terrible against tight ends which you know Lamar Jackson that that's who he throws to uh, more consistently than anybody else and so if you're looking at it from a Titans perspective it's really about that bend but don't break thing you know can you hold them in the red zone can you force a turnover or two uh I don't think they're going to be able to consistently stop Lamar Jackson. Now, if you look at that playoff game last year and you like look at the box score, you know, the Ravens put up huge numbers, but they had what, six, seven drops in that game. They had turnovers in that game. And really part of that was the case earlier this season when the two teams played. So even when the Titans have beaten the Ravens the first two times, it's not like they've shut down Lamar and that offense. It's more been kind of capitalizing on the opportunities that they they did have. And I think that would have to be the case uh, again in this game. Yeah, I feel like that was the stretch where Lamar wasn't playing well. It started almost like an eight, seven, eight game stretch. You know, look, Tennessee beat him in overtime and Lamar only ran for 51 yards against him. But I just wonder in the playoffs if you can go, hey, look, let's let's just get some yards here early and see how they adjust to it. Okay, uh, we got a couple more games here, so let's finish this out. And I think if I go by the rankings here, we'll get to Green Bay later. We'll worry about them. We did Chicago, Seattle, Kansas City's a little bit later. All right, how about? Indy and Buffalo, because Buffalo is a team that I feel like everybody started paying attention to them at the right time, 
where you know, the way I saw Allen is the first month, you're like, oh my God, who is this guy? And then you're thinking, oh, wait, is he and then it was even better. They closed even better. And more importantly, a team that I would think you would say was a middling defense finishes up statistically really strong and on top of an offense. That, so, I mean, if you want to talk about a team that has both pieces working at the exact right time and looking the best they've looked on both sides, it's the Bills. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, normally you don't like to go with the the trendy Super Bowl pick, right? But I I mean, I see everything that uh, everybody else is seeing. I mean, offensively, they're just a, ju- a juggernaut. Second half of the season averaged over 34 points per game. I, I like that they can win in so many ways offensively. You know, they'll scheme stuff up where it's just, wow, that was an incredible explosive play with a guy wide open. They'll have Stefan Diggs one-on-one against a corner. He wins that matchup, you know, uh, the majority of the time. They have a play breakdown it doesn't work, but Josh Allen just makes something out of nothing. So I'm totally buying the hype on their offense. Now, defensively, they want to be aggressive. They want to blitz. They don't have any guys up front. It's kind of like some of those Patriots teams we've seen in the past where you say, who are the pass rushers on this team? And then you like, but is that you know, scheme? Because the Pats thing was always that they didn't really want you up the field. So their numbers were always like, if you went there as a free agent, yeah. like, don't expect that you're going to cash in the year after that because you were <laughs> going to have like four sacks. So do you see that as the same scheme thing that New England does, which I almost feels outdated, but it's not like it's not incredibly successful for two decades either. Yeah, no, I think the Bills is more that they scheme stuff up with their blitzing. I mean, they are a heavy blitzing team. And so it's not just like one guy, but uh, I don't think it's, that Patriots mentality. They they want to be more aggressive. They want to get after the quarterback and, and kind of play a lot of zone coverage and they're talented in the secondary. So they're a really well-rounded team. I mean, on top of both those things, I think McDermott really manages the game for the most part uh, really well in terms of his in-game decision-making, timeouts, fourth down, all those different types of things. And so uh, there's a lot to like about this team. I really like Buffalo in this game. Like, uh, I think this one could potentially get out of hand. Uh, I know people like the Colts. I, I like the Bills uh, more in this game. I think that's going to be a double-digit victory. All right, even with Jonathan Taylor coming on here at running back, because the Colts now have changed their identity completely from first half to second half, who they want to be offensively. I've had my ups and downs with Rivers. Uh, I probably trust him less now than I do at other peaks throughout the season. But the addition of that run game and the fact that they've been offensively, we've, we've touched on this variance thing, they've been the steadiest offense in the NFL and they've added this running piece against the Bills defense that I still think people are confusing with last year's group that I thought was was just much better across the board. Yeah, no, there is a scenario where they can efficiently string together drives, you know, where Rivers doesn't make a lot of mistakes, where they give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they have enough juice offensively. You know, to me with them, it's not a coaching scheme thing. It's just like, like, look at the the Bills playmakers on offense compared to the Colts playmakers. Now, now Jonathan Taylor's been coming on. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's been coming on. I know they've got some guys, but I feel like you're going to have to score, you know, minimum, what, 27 to win that game. You might have to score in the 30s to win that game against the Bills uh, unless the Bills just come out and have an absolute clunker. So uh, I do think that's their strategy, though. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to try to string together drives. And then defensively, they play just zone coverage and they're going to rush for. They're not going to blitz a lot. And they're going to say, you're going to have to, we're not going to give up deep completions. You have to string together drives. And so when teams do that, you know, you can't turn the ball over. You can't have a bad penalty. You can't take a sack and put yourself in a bad spot. But uh, man, I'm just kind of buying that Bill's offense against pretty, pretty much any, uh, any of these defenses right now. 
League best, 35 points a game in the second half. Um, my favorite stat of all the stuff that I read, you can read Shields stuff on The Athletic, trusting offenses, trusting defenses. I mean, he's so good, he convinced me. I was like, I think I'm with him. I think this Chargers defense has a great <laughs> chance to be special this year. Um, I mentioned that before the season kicked off. Like, I read your previews and I go, It didn't work out great. I'm, yeah. I'm on the same page as this guy. Look at the personnel. Look at these obscure numbers that mean that there's going to be this correction on it. Look, they weren't healthy, so we get a pass on both that one. But Chicago yeah. playing... What was it? The the toughest schedule of yeah. offenses. So I'm just thinking of all the Bears fans out there. Is there any hope that you go, wait, you guys are sleeping on us because we actually, from week one to week 17, no one played a tougher group of offenses for 16 games. Yeah, it, it's it's not a great group. You know, it, it's not like the most, I don't think it's a shutdown defense. I don't think it's the most talented group. I don't think they're the most creative, you know, creative scheme wise. But like, they have some guys who, who who can just like take over a game uh, up front. And I think they're solid in the secondary. Uh, and so uh, you look at some of those counting numbers, like you mentioned, and I think that's important because, you know, even a team like the Colts overall, they had the easiest schedule in the NFL this year. And so I think that stuff does matter when you kind of take all these numbers into account and say, well, what were they actually uh, dealing with here? So uh, I think there's hope for them to be, to be competitive here. I, I do like the question of like, how deep do they have to go in the playoffs to give Mitchell Trubisky an extension? Because, because like that's, you know, it's a legit, like there, no, it it's is. not, yeah. it's not nowhere. I mean, if they get to the NFC title game, he's probably getting one. That's two wins. And so bears fans probably do not want to even hear those scenarios pa on this just podcast. Poor bears fans over the years, like having to talk themselves into Rex Grossman. They're like, yeah, we like this. Like, this is yeah. good. This is good. Right. It's been like, so right, long. Yeah. Like, Hey, Foles, are you kidding? Like, do you see what he did against the Pats? <laughs> Uh, Shield Kapadia, you can read him at The Athletic, as I said, and the last name is K-A-P-A-D-I-A -A -A to find him on Twitter. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, subject to credit approval, savings available to Apple Card owners, subject to eligibility, savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice for the weekend. Life advice rr at gmail.com. Uh, it's really been awesome getting all these uh, emails through Kyle uh, and the numbers. Uh, of emails have been terrific so thanks a lot for enjoying this part of it because it's just a break from the rest of the stuff and that's really what we wanted to do and have something kind of cool to close to and and it seems like it's it's really worked out so uh i appreciate it seriously all right here we go we have we don't want to turn this into a reddit chat room here but there are a lot of follow-ups now we're getting a lot of follow-up emails based on other guys and for the most part this one's important though because it's about pickup hoops Hey, was listening to the life advice about the subpar Hooper in celebration who was playing music while working on his jumper and his Air Monarchs. Uh, if the situation wasn't bad enough, I live in celebration and can say that that outdoor court that is available is great, except the hoops are only eight and a half feet high. What? What? 
as if it wasn't embarrassing enough, this guy's out there grinding on hoops that are more fit for the three and six-year-olds than himself. Thought I would add that extra wrinkle into the situation. We're hoping it's still the same hoops. I actually hope that that's true. We don't know. I mean, our guys saying, hey, I live there. These are where the courts are. So now we need a follow-up from the dad to ask if they were actually eight-and-a-half-foot hoops. Because if you roll out of a Mercedes, gray flint tights underneath, ready to ball, little yachty going, and it's eight-and-a-half feet, you should be arrested for that. Seriously. <laughs> and then we had people jumping in on the Air Monarch thing where, Kyle, I, you know, I don't have any problem people stepping to me on some of the age stuff, but they should not step to you. Hey, just listen to the podcast and wanted to drop a quick line regarding um, the pickup hoops. While Kyle's association with his dad and Air Monarchs, along with Ryan's confusion with the Little Yachty fans' footwear choice is understandable, a certain subsection of sneaker fans are into that type of look these days. At 37, it's not my personal preference, but the coveted 18 to 25-year-old crowd appears to be all in in a chunky sneaker look. Hey, dude, I've been to parties in Malibu and West Hollywood. I am aware of the chunky sneaker look. So I take offense to that, even though I'm on the older side of things, still aware enough of the social spectrum. So I just don't, I don't know. I, I, you, can, you can question me on it, but I know I sound sensitive about this right now. That's fine. <laughs> but the idea that Kyle doesn't know that chunky sneakers aren't in, are you kidding me? This guy runs sunset when things are normal. So Kyle, feel free to uh, add anything to that. I got nothing. No response to that. I'm not going to dignify it. There you go. Okay, let's do some life advice ones. All right, uh, I've been a fan of the work, SVP. Here's the rundown. 5'9", 200, built like a 19th century strongman, but probably only a six in the looks department. If you're calling yourself a six at 21, I've noticed this. This is an amazing thing. I don't know what science, I don't know if any scientists have actually worked on this, but the younger you are, the higher you overrate your guy, yourselves. Like, that's the deal. And as you get a little bit older, you're like, all right, who am I kidding? So if you're saying you're a six at 21, Maybe you're six, though, you know, or maybe you're really hard on yourself. Maybe you're like a sneaky seven. Also depends on the town. Geography has a lot to do with this. <laughs> you know, you could be, you know, look at Pam Beasley. Scranton. All right. Manhattan. <laughs> Kidding me. All right. Finishing up his engineering degree. Been single for a while. With the pandemic, I was back in my small hometown for the fall. Maybe it was the dry spell or the nostalgia of being back home, but I've been Snapchatting my high school girlfriend again. Our siblings are friends, so we've had uh, limited on and off contact ever since I broke up with her. It wasn't like I just hit her up out of the blue. So we're talking probably a couple of years here. If he's 21, 22, junior or senior. So, all right, we're talking three or four years. She's pretty hot. Shout out. In high school, she was county fair queen. You know, run into those every day. And a three-sport <laughs> athlete. And she certainly hasn't let herself go. Okay. Check out my man. Right now, she's finishing up a degree in teaching and volunteer coaching basketball at her old high school. So look at that. She wants to help other people. On paper, we should have worked out. We wanted similar things out of life and had similar views on most of the big picture questions at the time. The only problem was our chemistry. We didn't mesh well, but all the previously mentioned perks of her as a girlfriend kept me around. At the time, I had female friends I'd rather hang out with than her. Uh-oh. Not in a romantic sense, though. Okay, save. I just enjoyed their company more than hers. I thought that was a red flag, so I ended things after dating a while, probably a little later than I should have. My question is, should I give her a second chance? It's been a few years and people change. I'm different. I'm sure she is too. The problem is our families are close and I already broke her heart once. As much as I'd like to, is that Mariah Carey that's saying heartbreaker? 
I think a lot of people have, but I thought she had one that was pretty good. As much as I'd like to just have a casual physical relationship with her, that doesn't seem like a possibility given the circumstances, the type of girl I knew she was in high school. Uh, do I flirt it up and see where things go or keep her at arm's length and continue on in my life? All right. Not a uh, uncommon, uncommon dilemma here. So you did start this off, though, saying, hey, I don't know if it's a dry spell or if I'm back home. All right. So be honest. Like you care about this person's feelings. Okay, so if it's an option because of the history, there's two ways this can go because of the history. It's like, hey, we already tried it. We know it's not going anywhere, but we're stuck in a pandemic. We're both back in town and we're kind of finishing school. So, hey, it's cool. All right. Because that sounds like what you want. I mean, you could ask her. All right. You could try to find that out. But if that's not what she wants, she actually wants to have this life because sometimes when people get back together, you know that, all right, if I get back together with this person, it's all the way serious now, like really serious. Everything's on the line all of those things. It doesn't sound like you want any of those things. You may want the same things in life, but you don't seem to want any of those right now. So, you know, that's where you can't mess with the other person, right? You can't look at your situation and go, hey, it's convenient and not think about, like, look, some of you do. I've done it when you're younger. You, you don't factor a lot of these things in. That's why you're emailing the show now. But it sounds like you care enough that you're already wondering this stuff out loud. So that's that's a good sign, right? That's That's good. You actually are caring about how the other person is going to feel about your decisions. That's admirable. Very, very cool. Um, so just don't do it because, you know, if you're, if you're like, ah, I'm not really quite sure, like, just don't lie. How about that? Don't lie about it. Just go, hey, this is kind of where my head's at with this whole thing. Maybe it works out. You know, maybe you don't have to plan out the rest of your life by just getting back together with somebody. People get back together and then it doesn't work out. But I just always feel like there's extra pressure on the people and then the time away and it was like oh were you dating that guy with the boat you're like oh he was such a loser i'm like yeah that's not i heard he's awesome actually you know and then you can have some of that stuff and then she starts asking you questions like some people are really mature in the sense that they just don't care they're like oh you weren't with me I, I wasn't with you like all right whatever happened happened it doesn't matter it doesn't impact us at all i think more people are in the other category where you're back together and you're kind of wondering some of that history, but you didn't bring up any of your history. She didn't bring up any of her or you didn't bring up any of hers. So it sounds like that part of it's not much of a problem as far as the family thing. Like, yeah, it's also cool that you care about how the family part of this interacts, but you know what? Like you don't have to answer to them. Like if you want to hang with her and you don't know if it's going to work out and she wants to hang with you, I don't, I wouldn't worry about the family. Like the family isn't the one that has to date anybody here. So you could just ask to see where her head's at. But people rarely just straight up ask other people, you know, they dance around it. They take forever. There's mixed signals on it. And then, you know, you could find out in three years after never doing anything. She was like, oh, I was just down to hang out the whole time. She's like, I didn't want to marry you. We already broke up, tried that. So it wasn't like that. So you could just ask her. I know that seems really simple, but nobody ever does it. All right, let's do uh, another one here. Okay, this one sucks. All right, what's up, guys? 23, six feet. Well, I don't know why everybody's sitting in their height and weight, but whatever. Okay. Did we ask for that, Kyle? Is that no, on me? you know, I think you just you read it when people say it. So they're like, all right, I'm doing this. It's like the it's like the accepted format, like MLA now. Yeah, that's true. But I know Dan Patrick did it when guys called in. So I I'm very sensitive to ever doing anything. It makes it sound like I'm ripping anything off, but shout out to the OG Dan Patrick. All right, I've been with my girlfriend about a year now. Everything's great, but there's one thing she does that I think is extremely strange. My girlfriend thinks that it's normal to share toothbrushes. <gasps> yeah. Dude. 
Yeah, it started when we first started hanging out. Um, she would use mine, went over at my place in the morning instead of waiting to get home to use her own. Okay, well, I'm just going to check you real quick on this. You actually want your girlfriend to never do anything with the dental scene while she's like still around in the morning. Like, look, sometimes you're going to date somebody who just has morning breath and then there's other people that don't. And, you know, you just got to, you, you can put together this list of like 40 things you want out of a partner and, you know, you're not, it's not going to happen. You're not going to go 40 for 40. And if your girl ends up having morning breath, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of other stuff that you're going to like, but I don't think that's normal, but I don't think it's normal to want her to not like have to wait until she goes home to brush her own teeth. All right. So he says, this caught me completely off guard and I could not get over the fact she's so casual about using my toothbrush. I brought it up after the first couple of times and she didn't think anything odd about it. Claims she liked mine. <laughs> okay. So I like where my man goes here. A few weeks later, I bought her the same one thinking she would leave my toothbrush alone and she persisted in using mine daily. Months later, we were basically living together and she's still using mine every day. At this point, do I say anything to her again or do I accept the increased risk of gum disease? I don't think this is like an STD here, man. So I don't think the toothbrush thing... I don't know. We'll have a dentist check-in, I'm sure. But I don't know if you just use somebody else's brush that that would be gum disease. I don't know. Uh, I've never been in this situation before. Okay, that's weird. I would prefer that not to be the case uh, with somebody that was living with me. So I hear you on that one. And you've already asked her about it. Quick solution. Side toothbrush she doesn't know about. It's about it. And then if she goes, hey, the toothbrush is dry. Like, are you not using it? I like to use it after you use it. Then dump her because that's <laughs> fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got the he got the same exact one. So maybe just get a different one that's like obviously different. And if she switches over to that, yeah, it's a problem. No, I'm saying hide. Yeah, I know. I know what you're yeah. saying. You're saying I, I might lose some sleep over that. She brings it up. I just like using yours. <laughs> it's so fucking I, weird. Dude. I can understand somebody using yours. All right. Like it's, it's happened. All right. It's happened to dudes. But now you're basically living with me and I bought you the same one because you like mine, but you prefer to use the one I'm using. I just, if we end up finding that you get cut up and she's wearing your skin as a suit, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be, instead of like 99% surprised, I'll be 90 percent surprised all right let's hope it doesn't get to that i think we have time for one more let's run through it's a thursday night feeling a little bit no one's playing for the nets so when you hear this tomorrow you'll understand uh oh uh, yeah i like this one all right i do want to do this one we get a few minutes here okay normally i don't do this many but you know nighttime nighttime rise a different guy hey guys i'm in a really good place in my life mid-30s i have an awesome job that i love side note um the email about having your uh, having to get your dick kicked in at the beginning and reap the rewards in the back end, that's exactly what I did to get where I am. Yeah, I, I don't think people understand that. I just don't think enough people understand. It. I'm not turning it into a generational thing, but it's like, yeah, you know what? The hard stuff is really hard in the beginning and not everything goes your way. A lot of stuff doesn't go your way. And then if you keep grinding and you're good at what you do, it'll eventually turn around. It doesn't happen overnight. When people say, oh, I know my worth. Well, your worth is what someone will pay you. And then <laughs> if you don't think you're paid enough, find someone who will pay you more. And if no one else will pay you more, then that's probably what your worth is, what you're getting paid at that moment. I know it sucks to hear, but it's kind of the truth. Okay, back to uh, telling you how awesome my life is. I have a wife who I truly love and doesn't mind putting up with me and my bullshit. Lastly, we welcome, uh, just welcomed our first child late last year. Okay, I'm excited to start to instill great values in my son, such as to always tell the truth. That brings me back to my issue. Backstory, I attended my dream college for about two years and quit after realizing there was much more money to be made in the construction industry than I would have been making once out of school with my degree. Work took me to the Midwest region 
around the age of 23 while going out and meeting people at bars, I usually wore uh, college apparel that would always say that I graduated. Wait. Oh, okay. God, I was hope I thought he was saying the, the, the hoodie said what year he graduated. He goes, all right. I always wore collegiate apparel and would always say that I graduated from since school I attended, but did not use my degree in the field I work in. I was ashamed for not finishing. And honestly, it didn't hurt the chances with the ladies thinking I had a degree. Plus, I was already making good money. Fast forward 10 years. My group of friends in this region all think I have a degree. My wife knows that I do not and chooses to stay quiet about the matter. She could care less, she says. Should I come clean with everyone next time the subject comes up about my time at said school? And if so, will my friends give me a pass on telling this lie for so long? Hmm. All right. Predicament. Also, is it weird that I'm still ashamed for not finishing my degree? No. I've put in the work to become a high-level manager without a degree. Several graduates working under me. I make 250, 300K a year. Ooh. Oh, here we go. Um, I would not have made this much if I had stayed in school. I would have never met my wife. And I believe I wouldn't ever become this happy. Yet here I am yearning for that degree, which would do nothing to further my career at this stage of my life. Love to hear your advice on this. All right. He said, it's my only problem right now. Okay, it's not a big problem, but I get the problem. The second part first. I don't think it's weird you're not finished. I just think there's something that happens with us if we care about it. Now, there's guys that you have friends with that are just immune to anything. Like, hey, are you a little bummed out about it? No. And they're not lying to you. As much as I'll say, <laughs> you know, everybody wants to think they don't care what anyone thinks. It's just not true. But there's levels to how much you actually really care. And there's some people just walking around that are immune to anything. Like, I don't care. I just don't care. And sometimes you envy those people. But you obviously were smart enough to realize while you were in college, hey, I think I can go ahead and do this. And now you're to the point where you're making a great living, not good living, great living. So because you probably have standards for yourself and goals and some of these things, you're still thinking like, oh, is there this hole there? The hole may not even really be real. I mean, what are we really talking about here? A piece of paper that says you took 60 more credits? So we can talk about, hey, finish what you started. You can talk about, hey, I never not finish a book. I read a lot and sometimes I'll be like, this book sucks. What am I doing? You know, um, I personally would have those moments where when I didn't graduate and there were these long stretches, I would have, and everybody has these, I think that went to school because you're constantly worried about an assignment and all this anxiety over the whole thing. And I would just kept thinking about it over and over again, being like, I can't believe I didn't finish. I didn't finish. I knew I had to. Uh, and for my career, it would have been weird if all of a sudden it was like, hey, that guy didn't graduate. Although I do know a couple of people that like went to broadcasting schools and got a gig. And then all of a sudden they were like, you know what, I'm not going to go back. And they didn't graduate. So it probably happens a little bit more than you think. So as far as wanting this thing that you didn't accomplish, like I can understand it. But when you really think about what it means, it's fairly insignificant. Like it's it's this thing that you have to go through that proves that you did it. And it's not really what you learned there. It's growing up. It's becoming an adult, understanding the the real part of, you know, taking care of yourself, which is really what, you know, being away at school is as much as anything you're studying, unless you're in a completely specialized field. But for a lot of us that were doing, you know, not general studies, but, hey, I'm going to be an English major. All right, I'm going to be a history major. All right, I'm going to be small business. I'm going to be econ. I'm going to be all these different things. And like all these guys ended up with jobs that were like crisscrossed. Like some of the guys that are doing the best in business and that kind of stuff took liberal arts classes. And some of the business guys, you know, one guy became a teacher. You know what I'm saying? So like you guys already know all this stuff. All right. So just shut the fuck up. Sorry. I'm rambling here. All right. The part about the lie, though, is I don't know your friends. You know, you said the Midwest. Midwest people are nicer, but they're going to talk about you. <laughs> all right. 
They like there's going to be somebody in the group of friends that's like he lied about this the whole time and he's wearing his his hat and t-shirt talking about the, the football team. I mean, at least you went there and then you decided to leave. So you have like two versions of guilt. One is insignificant about the degree. If it really bothers you that much, take take a course, take a, a continuing education course once a week. You do it all online now. You know, if it really is bothering you that much, and I'll tell you what, the first time a paper is due 10 years after you had to hand one in, you'll be like, you know what? I'm good. I probably don't need to do <laughs> Fuck this. this. All right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the idea of having a paper due tomorrow <laughs> when you haven't had to do it in forever, uh, I can't even fathom what that would that would be like um, for some of you who aren't writers. So the second part of this, it's great your wife doesn't care, and that's what matters the most. I think there's a couple guys that we have from UVM that never graduated, by the way. And we do talk about them sometimes. We'll be like, wait, did that guy not actually graduate? And he says he did, and he shows up to stuff. And like, I don't know, man. Like, if that's his deal, like, no one ever, ever is going to bring it up. So what are you... What are you really doing here? If, th if this thing is hanging on forever, then I guess you can just admit it. And then that way it gets it off your chest. And maybe everybody's totally cool with it. Maybe everybody's fine with it. There's probably going to be somebody in the group just because this is what happens with once you start adding up the people. <laughs> There's going to be one guy that's like, what the fuck is up with him? Why would he lie about that? What a weird thing. I'll never look at him the same, even though it's it's kind of, it's not the, it's not the thing of not finishing. It's that you carried this out for this long time. And I don't even, you know, look, I get it. It just, you feel like when you're younger and, and you didn't graduate, and even though your career is going to take off and you may not know what you're going to make, it's just easier to be like, yeah, I went there. I went to Wisconsin instead of, well, I, you know, I made it two years, but what's going on? You know, you guys want some captain and gingers, you know, because they're just going to be like, what's <laughs> this guy dropped out. And when you're competing in these fields, not to be like, although the dropout thing is hilarious. Like whenever you see those memes, be like Gates, Musk, Jobs, all dropouts. But like, okay, if you start inventing shit to fly to the moon, then you can drop out too. All right. But for the rest of us, most of us actually need to say that we completed school unless given a big opportunity prior to that. So whenever I see those memes, like, yeah, no, 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 that's awesome. Seven billionaires didn't finish school. Everybody should do that. Uh, this one's not easy. It, it isn't easy. There's, there's, no, there's no easy solution because it really depends on your friend group. Maybe you bring it up to one of the friends that you trust the most out of the group. You say, hey, should I bring this up to anybody else? But again, if you don't really trust him. But this isn't even that juicy. It really isn't. I, I, I don't think it is. I understand the guilt part. And if, if it keeps on happening, then just, hey, hey, everybody. I would do it around some drinks, though. You know, like, because if you do it sober and you're like, hey, everyone, I need to talk to you, they're going to think you're dying or something. So, you know, get a few drinks in. Start start laughing, start yucking up. And these guys are really, really your friends. Again, Midwest, I like your chances. Then I don't think they're really going to care. I know I personally wouldn't care. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'd be, this whole time I thought you had taken 120 credits. This is, <laughs> I don't even know you, man. You know, I would be like, if I like you, I like you. And I'm going to want to keep hanging out. But I am always afraid of that, like that one person theory where they're going to be like, you know, he goes back to his wife, like, I can't believe what he would just carry that out. Because the lie itself, this this isn't hurting anyone. It doesn't really mean anything. So, I don't know. Good luck. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Okay, have a great weekend. Enjoy wild card round. Again, we taped this one Thursday night, so we didn't have an NBA element from the Thursday night games. But, um, you know, we'll be back on our NBA stuff all next week. We have a massive week scheduled for next week. All sorts of cool people dropping by the podcast. So, please, as always, spread the word and subscribe. Thank you. 
This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 